Ryan had been to every state park in Utah, where he collected a small item from each. A rock, a stick, a pressed leaf. But there was one more place on his list, and it was the last for a reason. Today he was visiting the most ancient of parks, dating back millions of years, with trees older than God. Trees so old that they had turned to stone. And as he drove, Ryan prepared for his life to change forever. When he arrived at the Escalante Petrified Forest, it was a plethora of warning signs that caught his eye first. Help us preserve our beautiful park. Leave nothing but footprints. Take nothing but memories. Do not take the rocks. Souvenirs are available in the gift shop. There was even, purportedly, video surveillance, which seemed like a little much for a state park. Ryan gave the signs a glance, and like most everyone else who entered the park, made a judgment call that the signs didn't pertain to him. He was special. He was a true collector. According to the next sign, the park expanded 1,400 acres and was home to 5.5 million tons of petrified wood. Certainly a true collector like himself could take home one small piece without having a profound impact on anything. And let's be honest, with 1,400 acres to manage, the rangers couldn't be watching everything, right? Ryan shot off to the restroom and then completed his state park ritual by poking into the gift shop to plan ahead for any purchases he needed on the way out. Another sign. Except this one was a little different. Not only because it sat inside, but because it contained a written letter. The Curse of the Escalante Petrified Forest. Each year, hundreds of people send letters to the park rangers here at the Petrified Forest, along with pieces of petrified wood that have been stolen from the land. While each letter is different, they all report experiencing bad luck, financial loss, deteriorating health, and sometimes death all seem to be lurking around those who decide to steal from these ancient grounds. Here is one of those letters. To whom it may concern, I picked up this small piece of wood when I visited last year. I thought the warnings were phony. Since that time, I have had three accidents. I would advise anyone who thinks lightly of the bad luck to think again. Please place this back in its rightful place and ask for my forgiveness. Let's just say I learned my lesson. Ridiculous, Ryan thought. This was the most absurd display of authority he had ever seen. The letter, of course, was a veiled attempt by the understaffed Parks Department to try and wrangle in theft. But come on, five and a half million tons of petrified wood is a lot. There was enough to go around. And speaking of enough, that was enough malarkey for one day. And so Ryan spent the rest of his time wandering the grounds, enjoying the expansive views and fascinating spectacles. And as the sun started to set, he tucked off the path by shelter of a large boulder and grabbed himself a beautiful piece of a nearby tree that had turned to rock over millions of years. And he buried it in his backpack's inner pocket. After an uneventful drive home, he immediately rushed down to the basement to add his new priceless artifact to the collection on the reflective glass of his showcase before starting his evening routine. Ryan awoke to a throbbing big toe an hour before his alarm. 3.43. No way he was getting back to sleep. 
After tossing and turning for a while, he tried to walk it off while making coffee, but to no avail. What did he do? No puncture wounds, no cactus spikes or little bites anywhere on his right foot. But as he stepped around the kitchen, the pain shot like lightning up his nervous system and into his brain. Driving the truck made it worse. The extra-large gas pedal hurt to press down. He would have switched feet, but then there'd be no foot for the clutch. Filling Coke machines had never been so painful. By the end of the day, he couldn't walk without limping. Ryan kicked off his shoes when he got home and crawled up the stairs on his knees, lying flat on the carpet of the landing. What a day. What a damn day. The faint sound of the bedroom alarm startled him awake. Had he slept on the floor all night? Pushing up to his knees, he could feel the pain, worse than the day before. Maybe it was broken? He'd have to see a doctor, but work was ten days on and three days off. Nine more days felt like an eternity. Rounding the doorway to the bedroom, Ryan caught view of the time. 5.56, that, that couldn't be right. He grabbed his phone right as the minute changed. Jesus! He'd slept through an hour of alarm. Four minutes until shift. He bolted for the front door, ignoring the pain reverberating through his toes, tossed his boots in the car and hit the road, working a sedan's pedals with his left foot. His working foot. The previous day was leaking out of his body, so he cracked a window. At least he worked at a soda factory. No client meetings today, just high school hallways and office building cafeterias. Goose! Ryan swerved, but with his feet swapped, slammed on the gas pedal before finding the brakes, accelerating to the bird full force. The thwop and chunk of the car left no room for guessing. That goose was a goner. What's the protocol here? Ryan thought, at the side of the road, head against the steering wheel. His male instincts told him to get out and look, so after painfully slipping on his boots, he stepped out to view the massacre, where, painting the last 50 yards of the road red, entrails spread like pasta night with a two-year-old laid the top half of a pure white swan still flopping its broken neck behind the car. The bird's innocent and simple black eyes met Ryan's, cutting into his heart with a guilt so vibrant that his foot felt like an afterthought. No living thing should ever experience this, Ryan thought, and as an act of mercy, he lifted his foot and ended the beautiful life, taking the pain away forever with a quick stomp on the skull or two. After a moment of self-inflicted shock, Ryan lifted his bloody boot and started to wipe it on the nearby grass, where his eyes drifted up to the congregation of neatly dressed early service attendees on the front lawn of a little church across the road, standing, staring. I'm late for work, was all he could think to say before getting in the car and driving off. The rest of the day went as expected. Ryan's boss was livid, which cascaded into working late, and by the time Ryan pulled up to his house and limped inside, he was fighting the urge to fall asleep on the landing again. He leaned his back against the hallway wall and shimmied off his shoes, wincing in agony, and started to peel off the two-day-old socks. The left one peeled off just fine, but when the right sock got to the toes, it crunched like pizza crust, almost grafted to his skin, pulling out hairs as it revealed his abnormally colored toes. 
Ryan poked his big toe, now a mixture of tan and deep red, and found that the skin was not just firm, but solid. He felt no pain, in fact, no feeling at all in that toe. The throbbing was coming from his other four toes, the puffy red ones. He could still bend those, but not without audibly crying out. This had to be a dream. The alarm. No, when had he fallen asleep? Ryan jolted awake, pushing his back off the wall of the hallway and stood up for a moment before the white lightning of his solidified toes crippled him into a pile. A pathetic whimper escaped his lips as he looked down at his two hardened toes next to their three swelling purple companions. 5.45. He had the smallest window to get to work on time if he left this instant. So, tossing his boots into the car again, Ryan pressed on the gas with his left foot and sped off to work. Six o'clock, on the dot. He shoved one sockless foot into his boot, braced himself, and shoved in the other. He gave a wave to his boss through the second-story window and got his truck ready. Ryan's hope was that from two stories up, Mr. Paulson had mistaken his unkempt hair for post-shower wetness. At the very least, his boss couldn't smell him from all the way up there. Forgetting socks made Ryan aware of every single seam inside of his work boots. The day seemed long, painful, but uneventful. A few stares and laughs from high school students holding their noses, but that wasn't that out of the ordinary. When he reached his home, Ryan passed the landing with purpose, heading straight down the hallway to the bathroom to shower. He hesitated at the boots. Angry, still about forgetting the socks, his left foot had blisters all along the outside, but his right had gotten far worse. Four of his toes were now solid, and his pinky toe was well on its way. The tendons on his foot looked like tree roots stretching up like tiny maroon tentacles. This was more concerning than the rest of his foot, which bled from the abrasions of the boot. He could feel the tiredness thickening. He wanted to fall asleep and take a break from the pain, but he had to shower for fear of losing his job tomorrow. A shower, and then... The alarm sounded off, but this became the least of Ryan's worries as he looked down to see half of his foot rigid like rock. Ryan rose with anger, crossing to the alarm, which blinked 4.45, and pulled the cord from the wall. Grabbing his keys and leaving those goddamn boots behind, he sped off left-footed for the emergency room. It took a while to convince the on-call staff that he was not drunk, homeless, or violent. And after a truly lengthy wait, he finally caught the attention of a triage nurse who meandered him into an exam room. Another long wait produced a real-life doctor lacking real-life emotions, who poked and prodded and asked things like, did that hurt? When Ryan screamed out in pain. The prognosis? Keep an eye on it. Take some ibuprofen and come back if it gets worse. Ryan woke up in the cab of his truck in the parking lot of the Coke distribution center, the electric buzzing of his transformation reverberating in his calf now, leaving his foot completely numb. 5.40. Mr. Paulson pulled in in his Mustang and caught a glance of Ryan as he pulled a baseball cap over his dirty hair. Ryan cracked the window. Just getting an early start, sir. Mr. Paulson gave a concerned wave that matched his glossy stare. Tonight, Ryan had to shower, no matter what.
Ryan's right boot was not coming off. It was splitting along the seams. His foot had expanded. And when he lifted the leg of his jeans to investigate, the diseased tentacles were reaching across his shins. Ryan grabbed the largest kitchen knife from the block on the counter and sat with his back against the cabinets, carefully slicing away at the boot until it released his stone foot. Tipping what was left of his boot, out rolled his toes. Five perfect million-year-old rock samples. The curse. After waking on the kitchen floor, Ryan shot off to work one last time, where Mr. Paulson swiftly fired him while covering his nose and mouth with his tie. Ryan slipped on the landing again, and with no alarm, no responsibilities to wake him, he slept deep and dreamlessly. He would have kept sleeping, but the nerves in his leg were crackling with electricity again. His entire calf was now a marbly red and black. This whole situation was getting out of control. Ryan dragged his heavy, useless leg down the stairs and into the garage, grabbing a hacksaw from his workbench and flopping down onto a stool. He panged the blade against his foot and it sparked. He would need to cut flesh if he wanted to get this thing off. Ryan placed the teeth of the saw above the knee on his still tender flesh, breathed in sharply and with eyes clenched tight, colors swirling behind his eyelids, started to jerk his arm back and forth. Ryan didn't wake up on the garage floor because Ryan didn't wake up at all. Two police officers, having followed the trail of blood on the driveway, raised the garage door to reveal Ryan's body, laying in his own blood, with his gray leg still attached by a few mere tendrils of ligament and skin. The rookie ran off to vomit. Why would anyone cut themselves up? I don't know, rookie. If this job has taught me anything, it's that you can never know what's going on inside people's minds. The captain left the young officer to guard the garage and ventured inside where he eventually found the bloody knife and five perfectly normal-looking severed toes on the kitchen floor. But before the captain came back, after gaining his bearings, the rookie, still bent over, managed one more look at the dead body. And that's when he caught the dead man's eyes, which were locked onto something just beyond the doorway. Inside the house, a, a room, a display case, with a bunch of useless crap, but one beautiful, irresistible rock. Hunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. Executive produced by Matt Gielen, Ryan Gielen, and Patrick James Lynch, and produced by Greg Holdsman. Creative support by Mel Forrest, Cody Dugan, Courtney Barber, and Jessica Richmond. And the Haunting Season theme song and other select music is made by North Innsbruck. The editing and sound design is done by Colby Crow. This episode was written, performed, and directed by Joshua Sterling Bragg. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and visit the official Haunting Season TikTok for daily horror movie reviews, hauntings, folklore, and urban legends. Music